Welcome to The Grounded Catholic, the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I'm Father Joseph Anthony Cress, and we're back with another episode after taking a few weeks off to enjoy a little bit of the summer. On this episode, Corinne and I are joined by her sister, Genevieve, where we have an opportunity to chat a little bit about rest and the importance of resting well and proper leisure in our life and cultivating hobbies within that context. So sit back, relax, take rest in the next uh, 30 or 40 minutes or so and enjoy our discussion. cups of coffee have you had today <laughs> oh goodness um probably cumulatively we're sitting around three um That's although it? well th- these are tiny mugs here you've you've given me you've served me coffee in tiny mugs but it's been very strong coffee yes so we're probably sitting around three three and a half cups right now okay um so i'm you know jacked up on caffeine right now and it's a beautiful sight oh man yeah you are shaking you were just like consistently waving your hand while talking for that entire time it's because i'm italian and i talk <laughs> with my hands <laughs> this, this is probably a good time to tell you father that uh i i made this this coffee is half calf huh? <laughs> how dare you that's why i've been like having to drink more and more cups this like second go around no how dare well you. I, this I figured the number of cups was like fixed like you were going to have a certain number no. of cups of coffee and so i'm like well we <laughs> you know we don't want him to be too wired pun intended for the mm-hmm. podcast oh well he is this I'm is already. placebo effect he totally <laughs> thought he was getting good. a full cup of caffeine and i oh. think it's also a good time to introduce the new voice for everybody here that's true so. welcome disembodied voice number one <laughs> would you care to <laughs> um share i'm not saying thank you <laughs> um no this this disembodied voice is a great a, a great friend of mine um she's been in my life for let's see a long many many years many moons mm-hmm. um approximately 22 <laughs> Yeah, well, well try 20 again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 23. There it is. 23 it is. years. That's oh rough. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a long time. Corinne, who is the guest? <clears throat> the guest is my sister, Genevieve. Yay. Yes. Yeah, who is taller than me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though I'm seven years older. Mm-hmm. She did get what? mistaken for being my age. On my 21st birthday, she was 14. I turned 21. That's hilarious. She was congratulated on turning 21. The guy totally skipped over me. I'm guessing it's because he probably just thought I was so much older than 21. It's probably not the case. But you know what? You can keep deceiving yourself on that one. I know. Just rolled with it. I told the guy, thank you, that I'm really excited to be 21 now. (laughs) And I think by that point, you had already left the store. You were, you left the store. I was a little peeved. Yeah. Wait, what, what store was this? <laughs> Sam's Club. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm done with this place. Just stormed out of Sam's Club. But yep. they had to check your receipt anyway, so you couldn't get very far. Yeah. Like, good times. But um, yeah. Genevieve, good to have you. You've been you've been back in Virginia area for how long now? Uh, a little bit over a week. Two wow. weeks. Mm-hmm. Two weeks now. Okay. Yeah. Where were you beforehand? So before that, I was in Ave Maria, Florida, uh, 
Um, yeah, basically turn right at the alligator, um, <laughs> go straight through the swamps, and you'll see a corn field, no, uh, um, tomato field. Mm. That's where I was, Ave Maria. Intriguing. Yep, so I was there for four years, graduated, spent another year down there. Now I'm back in Virginia. Hey. And <laughs> I know I'll be here for at least a year because I'm going to grad school at William & Mary. Nice. Very nice. Fall. We got good people down there, yeah, good friends. Yep, uh, yeah, Father Matt Keel is the chaplain down there. He just finished his first year, I think. Mm-hmm. He's going into year two. Good dude. Big fan of his. Um, and then who else is down there? John Hopke mm-hmm. um, and Katie. Sagadlo. There it is. Thank you. I butcher her last name every <laughs> single time I try it. <laughs> uh, but former guest on the podcast. Um, she was down at William and Mary for the last two years, but she won't be there anymore because she's going into the convent. So, but good people down in William and Mary, and happy you're going to be down there. Happy you're back in the state of Virginia. Thanks. It's missed you. <sighs> I've missed it. Yeah. Well, one of the great joys of having Genevieve back um, among her many pastimes, one of them is engaging in deep conversation. And whenever we get together, both of us can be a little intense <laughs> and not even while we're camping, but after, you know. You tried to turn that, that into a pun, which it wasn't a pun already, but that's fine. Continue. Excuse you. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but we love having a deep conversation and one of those has um, pertained to kind of this state that she finds herself in. I think that we all are in, in the summer, a state of transition. Yeah. Um, which summers just can be kind of a weird time anyways. Like, I remember it was very strange after graduating. Like, even when I'm no longer in school, you're mm-hmm. still just kind of left with a summer um, if you don't start work immediately. But it always mm. feels like the changing of the seasons, it always feels like it's this period of transition. Not really sure what comes ahead and or what lies ahead and processing what's been behind. And so, yeah, I don't know, Jenny, would you want to share any of your thoughts about transition, especially as they've pertained to you? Because you, you kind of are give in this gap of you finished work, you're back at home, which you haven't mm-hmm. been home in a very long time. So that's kind of a whole interesting thing. And then um, not really having much to do in terms of getting ready for grad school. Right. Well, I can speak to how I typically handle transition. So typically I handle transitions by um, I see them like approaching and it's like a scramble to fill that time with something else. So you remember last year, Corinne, um, (laughs) my summer transition between graduation and, um, you know, finding my first job was actually no transition because I went straight from graduation to helping at a summer camp to immediately going into a job. Um, so that's how I know how I typically handle transitions. So, like, yeah, like you said, this is my first, I guess, summer where I actually don't have anything. And I I'm not going to fill it with anything or I don't have anything to fill it with. I think that experience is kind of terrifying for a lot of people and how you talked about like from graduation to summer camp, like kind of a summer job 
and then into um, a full-time job. Like that's a lot of, that's a rhythm I think a lot of people get into is that um, we can see a gap approaching, right? And mm-hmm. so we need to fill it with something temporary, uh, some kind of temporary gratification, some kind of temporary project or um, something because we're af- afraid of like the, the void. void. Whoa. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yeah, yep, same wavelength. Good mm. job. Wow. See Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I think a lot of people are afraid of that void and they're afraid of the gap. And so it, it's like a comfort mechanism. It's why we're afraid of silence too. Oh. Yeah, we don't like empty spaces. We want to fill it. It's like it forces us. I mean, Father, we've been talking about this a lot. That so much ever since ever since COVID happened. You know, like we're kind of left with a little bit of a void of you know the way that our lives, our routines have occupied um, all the space in our life. It's that's all shifted, and we're left with a lot more free time um, and a lot more like a lot less to do. You know, like it's a lot less you know time in transit we're in one space (laughs) Um, and how the result of that has been processing our entire time at UVA and like all of these things come flooding back and it kind of shocked us. I know you were just like, Hey, have you, (laughs) have you been kind of like all of these things from the past two years are kind of coming up now? Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember thinking, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be have worked through this, but my mind hadn't stopped. Life hadn't stopped long enough for me to process I think that's what transition does. It allows us time to process, but that's terrifying. Right. And we, we think that like it's best to go immediately um, you know, out of the fryer into the frying pan. Like We want to go from one thing to the next, and we don't give ourselves spe- that kind of space to transition, to make that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to rip a Band-Aid off and now just go into the next thing. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a lot that needs to happen. There's a lot that needs to happen with, you know, tying off the bow on one thing, bringing closure to that, and then also preparing yourself emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even physically to take on this new project, to go into this new endeavor. Um, It's it's really, I don't know, I've learned a lot in in hearing you kind of talk as well, Genevieve, about that kind of transition and, and the experience of going from kind of a very hectic, like things stacked on top of each other from one thing to the next. And now going through this experience of, you know what, I have a summer off. Like, what do I do with that? And, and that's, that's a really interesting question that I think, you know, Karen, you, you talked a lot or, or you kind of talked at the beginning about this summer is always weird. Um, because a lot of us, even people who are in the professional sphere and whatnot, the summers or life still operates on the academic calendar for the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. And summer is always mm-hmm. supposed to be this gap. But most people have no idea what to do with that gap. Right. Or it's like, well, let's just let's just, just vacation. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. it's not like I even struggled a little bit um cuz we we had a week long like Genevieve when you came back, you actually didn't come back straight to Virginia. You came back to South Carolina to the beach with the family for a week, which was awesome. But even that, like, that's not, that's not real life. That's a very different kind of rest. And you can't spend an entire summer at the beach, unfortunately. But, but Jenny, one thing that you, that we had talked about that has been really edifying for me, um, 
you were kind of talking about like the the negative effects that you've been feeling in the transition like the lack of work is not it's not a peaceful time for you and that's something that I related to as well you do you want to I guess kind of share some of what you were feeling some of what we'd been talking about yeah um I think the (laughs) the initial lack of peace in like the first few weeks of being home um you know was realizing there's nothing due there's nothing due there's no deadlines there's nothing that has to get done um there's nothing that's urgent um and so I know that my first reaction was to cram that void with things that you know I created like work that I created you know some like work that I in my mind was like this is urgent I have to do this like oh my goodness, I have to clean the pantry. That is urgent. (laughs) That has to get done. I don't know if it's been cleaned all year, but it has to be done today before 11. And then after 11, it's just really essential that like I dust the blinds in my room. Like it's not going to do itself and it has to be done by the end of the day. So I think I just created work, created things that aren't actually, yeah, urgent to fill that void so that was like the first kind of like thing that I had to overcome was subconsciously cramming work into that void does that make sense yeah busy work absolutely but where I guess where do you think that comes from I think it comes from the culture I think it all goes back to our culture of productivity um, which tells Uh us that our um, identity is found in our productivity like your output is basically what you know speaks to your worthiness your worth your your identity yeah I think I I would agree with that like my I've struggled with that a lot my security being found in the amount of work that I do and I one of the things that I had been reflecting on too that we we talked about um is you know, even even if y- my job as a minister is doesn't appeal to, you know, all the worldly standards of, you know, um, super successful, you know, just like what the world puts forward is like what success looks like. Yeah, of course. Um, which is completely fine. Um, I, I realized that I still wanted to conform to other standards that the world put out in terms of success in my job. And that is like busyness and feeling in like, you know, kind of wanting to flaunt like, Oh yeah, guess what? I'm working three weekends in a row. And Oh, I came into the office at this time and I worked this, you know, this amount, this many hours. And like that, that was a a badge of like honor for me and like pride of like, look, look how much I'm working. Look how little free time I have to do anything. Um, And you know, what's so funny is like when you first told me that, you know, I heard that and I was like, Corinne, like, that's absolutely insane. Like, that is not a badge. Like, ooh, look at me. Like, I'm running myself into the ground. But what a hypocrite I am because then I turn and I do the same thing. It's so sneaky. It is. And, like, I, f- I feel like you've learned that from me because, like, that's been my MO for the last three years It's just continually working myself into the ground. You know, it's like. You're not alone in that at all, Father. No, but it's it's like that's that's kind of the culture of, you know, 
in it, not just the culture of productivity and like you know um the hustle and like you know the grind and all that fun stuff and and letting that seep into ministry but like that's kind of what what i set as like the expectation the culture and the standards and like kind of coming to terms with like no we have to recalibrate and mm-hmm. a lot of that um I don't think you set that culture, though. I think that's something that is very much in the air of UVA. Yeah. And I think and that's I think something that's highly prized at UVA. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see kind of how subtle it can be mm-hmm. and, and how easy it is to be convinced that that is a good. Right. And, I mean, diligence in work is definitely a good. We want to be diligent in the uh, expectations, responsibilities that we are given, but it we don't want to make that diligence and work become an idol right well that's the thing i realized i need to stop picking up and carrying things that i'm not supposed to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's not doing the bare minimum but there's always this was something that was always so frustrating to me in college is there's always more studying you can do there's always more reading there's like there's it felt like there was always something more that i could be doing and recognizing that I'm the one that has to set those limits and those boundaries. And like nobody's going to come and check in and be like, hey, Corinne, it's 3 a.m. You should yeah. probably go to bed. <laughs> um, no, if anything, like remembering in college, it was like a badge. You walk into the test and it's, oh, how, how long were you studying? Oh, I was up till midnight. Oh, my. Well, I was up till 2 a.m., and it's, it's almost like people are trying to one-up each other by yeah. the lack of sleep that they got for that day's exam. Right. But what they don't realize is the reason that you pulled an all-nighter is because you didn't actually start studying until 1130. Right. Like, you didn't start reading any of the assignments <laughs> until 1130 the night before the exam. That's why you were up until, like, 630 and your right. class is at 8. Which, what you're saying is, like, it's because they were undisciplined, but we hear it so initially totally. and we think... Wow, wow, they're so disciplined. They, they pulled an all They're so dedicated. And yeah. it's like, actually, this person has no control over anything. Right. It shows uh, a lack of responsibility of true. their time. Maturity. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's something I'm still coming out of and still struggling with. And Father, I, you know, a few weeks ago, right before I went on that beach vacation, you told yep. me, Karen, you need to take some time to, like, recharge because... I mean, we don't know what we're going into in the fall, really. Um, no idea. We still don't really know what the next year is going to look like, any of it. And so, like, we we need to take this time to be filled. And you emphasize the importance of that, which was really good because that's something I think we need to do for one another. Yeah. Um, not just you and I. I think, like, as a, as a, a community, we need to do that mm-hmm. for one another. Remind one another to rest and take care of themselves. Genevieve... And I, with um, a, a, a friend from Ave and my sister-in-law, we went to a winery and, on Sunday. So Virginia. It That's was, so Charlottesville. I'm yeah, proud of you. I'm we were proud all in of our you. Mass. Oh. I'm pretty sure I came back just for the wineries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a bad decision. That's a good reason to come back right there. But, Father, the first of all, I'm just going to... Chrissy at the Barbersville Vineyard. She was amazing. She was the best ever. She took Shout care of out us to Chrissy. so well. And the first thing when we came up and sat down, they're like, please just relax. We want to pamper you. This is, you know, father, I teared up. I like hearing somebody say, please relax. It was like, thank you for giving me permission. <laughs> like, thank you for reminding me of like what I need and yeah. showing that it's okay 
And so it meant so much to me when you said like, hey, you need to like, you have permission to take time to yourself. Um, but it has bred a lot of insecurity or just showed me different things that I've been carrying that I shouldn't have been carrying. And one, one thing that we all started talking about um, was like the cultivation of hobbies, like things that yep. bring you life because it's so easy. And this was a realization I had. Um, I was even just talking with my counselor, just processing like, this is, man, this is, I feel like I'm in over my head. I feel like, you know, I'm not able to rest. And the analogy that came to mind was like buckets that I have, I have this giant bucket and that's all of the energy and like emotional, physical energy that I have to disperse. And then I have this like, you know, row of all these little buckets that are like the demands on those inner of that energy and that time. And I was like, there are way too many. There's no way I can't, I can't give them all what they need. And so many of them just felt like they were draining me. Like everything was taking of my energy, but there are actually some of those things that actually pour life into me. And those are the things that during this time, like this, these times of transition when we don't have as many responsibilities, those are like, that's a great gift to be able to figure out ways to like pour back into our bucket. And your description of hobbies really showed me that that's. Yeah. And I think before I jump into hobbies and like why I love to focus on hobbies so much, um, I love that image that you have of, of the big buckets and all the little baby buckets and all that. <laughs> um, but as you're just saying that, like, I think there's a little bit of a difference though. Um, I think it's, please excuse like the biblical imagery, but like, I see it more of like a wineskin. Like there's two ways to empty a wineskin, right? You you can pour it out or it can be pierced and then it can be drained out of that, you know? And as you were saying, like there's, oh. there's a lot of demands that are going to empty all of the, you know, the energy that you have, but there's two ways to enter, empty that. Either you can pour it out into something or it can be drained out of you by piercing that. That's such a great thing because at some point it feels no longer like I'm giving, exactly. but that like it's taking, That's it's it. taking against mm -hmm. my will. And, but I have realized a lot of that is my own fault. If I don't manage my time well, of course, yeah. like that, it's yeah. not the ex this external thing coming and taking from me, but I'm allowing mm -hmm. it. Like I haven't guarded right. my time well, or I haven't guarded mm -hmm. my energy that I've let it be taken. Yeah. And those demands kind of, they drain that. Yes. They're not accepting. They're not receiving what you have. They're draining it from you, you know? Um, That's so, a great analogy. Yeah, just as you're saying, I was like, oh, it, buckets work, but I think there's a little bit of a difference here, yeah. and it can go one step further. Um, but those things that you actively pour into, right, those, those things that you are going to give yourself into but also receive life from those as well, mm -hmm. um, one of those you know baby buckets uh <laughs> if we want to call it that but one of those that we've talked a lot about are hobbies and the reason that i love talking about hobbies so much um because i'm a firm 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 believer that the antidote to asadia um sloth laziness is not busyness and i right that's actually another side an of it exactly that's the opposite side yeah like 15 year old genevieve needed to know that right mm. so and and it's natural that we say like oh I've wasted so much time. I need to do the complete opposite. What's that? Be super productive. 
and be busy all the time. That is not the answer. We know that. The answer to asadia laziness, the answer to busyness is proper rest, leisure, and, and hobbies are a part of that and are a very, very important part of that. And um, one of my favorite things to do when I do marriage prep with couples is I sit down, the very first meeting, we kind of get to know each other, like, oh, what was your first date? And, you know, how did you propose? All that stuff that is, like, just sappy and disgusting, and you can, like, Gross. watch it on, all on Hallmark TV channel. You know, it's <laughs> fine. Um, but one of the questions I always ask um, each individual, I say, okay, great. So let's get to know you, talk about their family of origin and, you know, things that they do in life and whatever. But one of the final questions I always ask is, what's your hobbies? Like, what do you do? And um, for a lot of people, they, they have a hard time answering that question. I found a lot of people as they sit in my office preparing to um, give the ultimate gift they have, that total self gift to another human being, they have no idea of what their passions are and what their hobbies are. And it, they just kind of stumble around like, uh, uh, you know, I like to travel, I like sports and, and things like that. Um, but they, they have a hard time answering on like, what is that one hobby that gives them life, that pours life into them? That's their proper form of leisure. Mm. And I remember I was sitting down with a couple, asked the question, you know, what are your hobbies? And the guy just without batting an eyelash, strong coughing and goes, I love to golf. Golf is my hobby. That's my sacred space. That's like where I go to recharge. If I have a hard day, I'll call her on the, you know, in the evening if we're supposed to meet for dinner, I'll call her and be like, listen, I'm going to be in 90 minutes late. I'm going to go shoot nine holes right now. And he's like, I have a membership. Like I sacrifice, you know, I don't make a lot of money, but I need enough to actually pay for mm -hmm. this membership because that's important to me. I need to have this space. And his fiance at the time was like, yeah, that's his place. Like I know if he's going out with a weekend with his dad and his brothers, like I'm not going to infringe upon that. Like that's his place. Mm. And then I turned to her. I was like, okay, what are your hobbies? Once again, without batting an eye, she's like, I cook. I love to cook. I have all these cookbooks and like I've gone to cooking classes. I've worked on this skill. I try new things. I've made pizzas on the grill and like it's a place for her to be creative mm. and express that and to like push herself to be creative. She tries to perfect this, learn from others, you know, via cookbooks or classes and stuff. And he's like, yeah, one of my greatest gifts I got her one year for our anniversary was this like kind of set of cooking classes because I know how much she enjoys that. And I want to give her the space to, you know, get better and have something that she can pour herself into, but also gives her life. So, Father, I have a question then. Yep. Um, are, is there a difference between your interests and your hobbies? I think so. I, I really do think that there are things that we like, enjoy, uh, but that's not necessarily a hobby for us. Um, you would, one of your hobbies is hiking, right? Yes. And for you, Genevieve, as well, right? Well, now it is. Yeah. Now that I'm back. There's yeah. really not too many mountains in Florida, <laughs> so I haven't like been perfecting that. So it's yeah. probably an interest, but hopefully... It becomes more of a hobby. It will become more of a hobby. Yeah. I like hiking, right? I don't do a lot of it. I'm not a very avid hiker. I do enjoy it when I go, but that's not necessarily a hobby for me. And I think there's there can be things in life that we enjoy, um, but it's not necessarily a hobby because we, we're not engaged in a regular engaging in that on a regular basis. 
where it is an opportunity for us to progress and kind of grow. And one of the things that like my suggestion is if you're looking for a hobby, you know, take something that you do enjoy on occasion and kind of devote yourself to that, you know, begin to um, engage in that thing on a more regular basis. Uh, something that is very uh, helpful to do is in engage in things that give you um, a skill to perfect or something to strive for excellence, that there's growth in that. Um, woodworking, um, you know, uh, drawing, sketching, um, you know, golf, that's, that's my hobby. That's what I go to. Like, it gives me a skill to perfect without trying, um, without just trying to produce things. And I think that's mm -hmm. another aspect of hobbies is that we don't look at um, the productive side of it but we look at how much life it pours into us and how like we're able to refresh and um, be energized at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of that activity, if you will. It's, it's an interesting thing because I think passions, interests can lead to hobbies, um, but they're not necessarily synonymous. Interesting. Um, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Genevieve, you were sharing a little bit um, with Father and I before we started recording about some of the differences of being in Florida versus being back in Virginia. I mean, you just mentioned right now how you would enjoy hiking um, and cultivating that as a hobby. But what what are some of your of your hobbies, and yeah, how do you seek to cultivate that? Yeah, so for most of my life, my hobbies have been competitive sports, namely soccer. Um, and I played it through high school, through college. And when, you know, college ended, soccer ended, there is a bit of a transition there immediately in terms of, okay, that's my main hobby. Um, how do I spend my free time? And quite honestly, my my schedule was so busy that it didn't really allow for, I didn't feel like it allowed for much time to pour into something that I'd be considered, you know, a hobby in, in the terms of like having enough time to perfect it. Um, I mean, outside of that, I know I've always loved hiking. Um, I do enjoy, you know, fine coffee shops. Mm. And I think mm. that, can, that can be a skill. You know, father and I were talking about it earlier, like, you know, traveling may not be a hobby, um, but traveling to different coffee shops, breweries, um, wineries. wineries, all those, all those gems in, in Virginia. Um, yeah. And so a lot of my hobbies, I feel like were on pause yeah. until yeah. I'd return to Virginia. Um, because you, you had a year where you were so busy, right? And I think this is something else that I hear a lot of people say is like, Hey, how's your day? Oh, I'm so busy. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like we identify who we are. With busyness. With busyness. You know, how was your day today? Oh, man, it was just so busy. I did so much. But that's just a cop-out. Like, if you ever really ask somebody, like, oh, okay, so what exactly did you do today? Mm. Like, turns out they didn't do that much. You know, and... Not I'd having time to cultivate hobbies. hobbies. Like, do how you did see that... that, that like, was lack do you feel like you were lacking? Oh, okay. That's what it was like. Okay, okay, okay. Your yeah. sense of peace 
like your sense of happiness like was that directly affected by the fact that you didn't have time to cultivate a hobby yeah but I'd, i i definitely think that you know time was lacking but at the same time i was still feeling or f- like filling that free time after work especially or on the weekends um i was still filling that with i think just like mind-numbing distractions of like social media so i think i really did have time like in retrospect Mm -hmm. i probably did have the time to put towards a hobby but i chose to distract myself in that free time um in fact my housemate and i we called it the sunday blues we'd work hard during Mm -hmm. the week obviously and you know when you're working you're looking forward to the weekends um and then we'd get to the weekends and we'd realize we'd be you know we'd be so sad on Sunday because we'd be going back to work. And so we'd be thinking, oh, we have to like make the most of this free time, but also not know how to spend that free time on the weekends. And it was this, it was just like this cycle of, well, let's distract ourselves. Like let's just fill this time until we have to work. And then when we work, we'll feel like we have a purpose again, but while we're working, we'll be hoping for the weekend. And I think that was a very easy, you know, kind of mindset to get in that made us cling to the work. I think this is one of those really subtle but horribly uh, destructive elements of that productive mentality is that you become so focused on um, things that you that have tangible outcomes, because then that equals purpose, that equals drive, that equals um like 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 you were saying a reason to exist Mm -hmm. and then when you don't have that when you have space you don't know what to do with it and so you just turn to distractions right and it's it's a really dangerous place to be because like you said it just keeps you in that cycle of going downward further and further and further and it sucks the energy out of you like your bucket analogy it drains you and then all you can do is actually in the weird sense on the weekends you kind of secretly wish it was during the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is a very interesting thing. And this is something that my counselor kind of helped me identify was there are the things that pour into me like hobbies, like good things to cultivate um, at first are more of a drain. Yeah. Like they require some amount of energy and attention and dedication to them that when I overexert myself during the week, one of the reasons why I do just want to tune out on Netflix or on social media or just playing mindless things on my phone. Um, the reason why that's preferable is because I ha- like they don't require any energy. They don't require any output. It's all input. Yep. Um, but it actually, it's all superficial input. Yep. Um, and so like the true hobbies... Like I love, I love dance and like the social dance scene, you know, like going out like swing dancing or contra dancing and, um, but that requires like, I'm more of an introvert that requires some sort of extroverted energy where when I'm totally drained, I don't even, I don't even feel like I have the capacity to like jumpstart those kind of activities because once I'm there at like a dancer at a gathering, by the end of it, like I have received, like my bucket mm-hmm. is more full, mm-hmm. but it does require like 
giving in order to receive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge, huge part of it is that we want to, we want to turn to things where we are passive. Distractions force us to be passive. We just kind of turn into a puddle and you avoided this. And I'm, I I very much thank you for avoiding this, but I'm just going to go go there. One of the terms I absolutely abhor is the term like vegging out, watching Netflix. Like, Oh, I just want to can't wait for the weekend. So I just veg out. Like, I, I hate that because that says you want to become a vegetable. You want to you want to skip the entire animal kingdom and become and go into the vegetative state. You know, that's not OK. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We have intellect. We have will. There's a beauty in humanity. I don't mm. want you to become a vegetable. That's two mm-hmm. kingdoms down. Yeah. You know, I hate that because those types of things that, you know, the distractions force us to be passive. There's a way to actively receive, though. There's a a way to actively receive life being poured into you. Um, And I think we need to look for activities. We need to look for moments in um, space of leisure, which is where we actively receive life again and anew and afresh. And that's the best place to do that is in nature, right? I where you're agree. talking so much about hiking and where it's not necessarily a hobby of mine, but my God, I love it whenever I go out there. And I always think I should do more of this is because mm-hmm. I'm able to put myself into created beauty, which is reflecting the creator itself. And I'm actively receiving that. I'm diving in. I'm immersing myself into this so I can actively receive it instead of just turning this myself into a puddle in becoming passive with constant distractions. Right. And I think that's the key about hobbies is that we're in a place we either are doing something or putting ourselves into a space to actively receive life anew and afresh. Mm. And that's a different mentality than the productive mentality is where I work, 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 and then work hard, play hard. But play hard is just constant distractions. You know, because you want to distract yourself from, you know, whatever it is, the wounds or the crap or, you know, all the processing processing that we've done in our life. Um, So the last thing that I kind of want to put a touch on because we're getting close to the end. Um, Hi. Yeah, uh, we're getting near there. But um, we kind of talked about how you, uh, Genevieve, how you went through this year of transition um, going into full-time work and now you're transitioning through the summer into uh, grad school again and whatnot and how your hobbies up to this point were kind of competitive sports and mm-hmm. that might not be possible to engage in anymore and I think this brings up a, a, a huge point of hobbies can change at different stages of your life and I think that's something that's like it's good to go back to like l- what were my passions what were the things I used to love to do but it can encourage us to cultivate new hobbies and not be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Like you maybe have never touched a kitchen knife in your life and maybe you don't know how to boil pasta and you're 35 years old. Okay. That's okay. You can cultivate that and learn again and learn new hobbies and like to not be afraid to take up a hobby at any stage of your life. Right. You know, um, so well, yeah, I, I, thinking back to to college, um, I never had to choose my hobby. Like practice was at a set time, so you show up, mm. and you definitely don't want to be late. 
because <laughs> the whole team's running. Yeah. Um, so I never had to choose a hobby. Um, and so this kind of like halftime intermission of, of working for a year has been my chance to, you know, continue failing at choosing a hobby. Because like I said, I chose a lot of movies. I chose a lot of um, things that weren't restful per se. Like it's not very restful to just get back from work, run, eat, and then sleep and do the like do it again the next day, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that this is like time to learn how to choose to rest. Mm. That, that may be the title of the episode right there is just choosing to rest. Yeah. Because that like, I think that sums up everything is learning that hobbies, leisure, like it's an active choice to say, no, I'm going to prioritize mm. having life poured into me again and people don't choose it for you i think we expect that people will look at us and say like that's why it it is so meaningful for somebody to say you can choose this you have permission to do this thing like please rest please relax like you saying that to me the chrissy at barbara's little vineyard saying that to me um i think we expect that somebody's going to look at us and see how exhausted we are Mm -hmm. and stop making demands of us or that the world will stop making demands of us. But we have to set those boundaries and those limitations for ourselves that we have to choose it. So yeah, I mean, for weekends, yeah, they come and go, but we have to choose how we spend them that not everything that is chosen, Netflix and social media, you know, like not all of those things are going to be the things that actually bring us peace and i think like th- there's i know some people are like okay like i'm i want to turn off my phone i want to like you know make sure that i step away and, and i think that stuff is very very healthy because you spend so much of our life on screens it's so good to get away from that but there's a little bit of a side of me that enjoys the fact that i still have my phone on me and mm. i still see the no- notifications coming through and i ignore them like that like actually for me just as an individual Mm. this is my personality but that gives me an opportunity to continually choose leisure to continually choose my hobby so like my hobby is golfing like when i'm out on the course i'll keep my phone on me and i'll have all the notifications going i don't put do not disturb on because every time i look at my phone to get the yardage to the next hole or whatever it is i have to clear off messages i don't respond to them because I'm choosing my hobby. I'm choosing this. Mm-hmm. And like that, the, it's, it's something that's subtle, but I have, I've intentionally done because then it forces me to kind of build up that habit of choosing, um, choosing leisure and choosing that space that like, I know these other things are trying to impose themselves on me, but I'm rejecting them to keep up um, my boundaries. Well, that's what, that's what a choice is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just affirming and saying yes to one thing. It's actually rejecting and saying no to all of the other things. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it like Good stuff. To, to start cultivating a hobby. Like at first I was like, I'm going to turn everything away and like create my little sanctuary space where nobody else is allowed. But that actually didn't help me because like just the way my personality is like, I became more anxious and mm-hmm. I wasn't at peace and where I started to find kind of peace was like, yeah, I still had my phone on me, but like notifications come through, but I always cleared them because I was like, no, this is 
like it's an active choice for me and that helped me to kind of cultivate the choosing so that then it becomes easier it becomes prompt mm. and all that stuff which is ultimately building virtue see um, that that to me is like a muscle that you're exercising exactly and yep. that's like a lot of students don't get to exercise that muscle if you're just moving from from one thing to the next and then mm -hmm. distracting yourself so that i mean the shell shock of then working where you're on from say nine to five and you've got your weekends free yeah um that muscle is so undeveloped that that's what leads to the sunday blues it's yeah. like oh my goodness now what do i do with this time and it's just a muscle that mm -hmm. is part of probably just maturity yeah. and like like I said, it's not that choice is not for everybody because I know like for somebody like you, Corinne, like you need space to process and the more things like yes. notifications and stuff like that. So that's not necessarily something I would encourage for you. But like <laughs> for my personality, it was it was something that was very important because like you said, it was building up that muscle that no, I'm going to constantly choose um, this hobby instead of um, letting myself get distracted. Yep. So. Um, as we say, I have a tremendous amount of notifications on my phone that I'm clearing right now. Um, but I think we're going to end there and move it on. Big thank you goes out to Genevieve for joining us this um, episode talking about rest and leisure and bringing her own kind of personal experiences to bear on our discussion today. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify at The Grounded Catholic, as well as on our website, catholicwhos.org slash podcast. That's catholicwhos.org slash podcast. Hope everybody, uh, all of our listeners get a chance to rest a little bit, enjoy the summer, uh, maybe pick up a new hobby or two. But as always, you're in our prayers. God bless.